Just a little heads up to let you know that this episode contains some strong language. I'm Rebecca and I'm Gary and welcome to episode 27 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast where we take a deep dive into a random film chosen by our guest host. Each session we will pick a particular theme and this season it's cinematic classics. Today we are joined by Joe O'Neill who has decided that on this episode we will be taking a look at In Bruges. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm Joe, as Rebecca just wonderfully said. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm Irish, which I'm sure you found out just by me speaking. And, uh, and I, I run a podcast. I'm a playwright. I'm an actor. I'm all around, you know, philanthropist. Uh, fl- is that the word I'm trying to go for? Uh, yep. Just Yeah, yeah, that, that's our word anyway. Um, yeah, just um, writer, actor, check out my YouTube channel, uh, Joe O'Neill, check out all my short films. Um, just just having a laugh. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I like films. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And why did you pick this film? Um, because I think when you said, when Gary emailed me saying um, cinematic classics, for me, this is like the most, of the 21st century, it's the most classic, um, what's the best way to put it, like underground movie, maybe, or or one that kind of everyone knows to watch, but very few people have actually really seen. Um, and it always speaks out to me because I was saying to mates of mine today, that I'm talking about in Bruges about uh, cinema classics and they're like is that your favourite film I said I don't know I, I don't have a favourite film but it's a film I recommend to people the most do you know it's uh, at the end of my podcast um, I every one whenever I recommend a film I always recommend in Bruges because for me it's like it's perfect filmmaking as perfect as you can get and like it's very indie very small but like the tit, the the um, script is so tight and uh, the performances are so on point with what the director wants and it just there's so many ideas and so so much happening in such a short space of time and every character you just want to see no one's just put in there for no reason everyone's so important so it's a film that you can watch a million times and then still get something new every time out of it so i don't have a favorite film but it's this is a film i tell people to watch the most so that's why i kind of went with in bruges and it's a lovely it's kind of like it makes no sense as well because everyone watched it and goes, "Oh, this is an Irish film," but it's actually a French and British movie. Yeah. Uh, it's and it just got an Irish cast, and you could even include uh, Ray Fiennes in that because he was raised in Ireland. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so that's a fun fact. Um, he was raised in Kilkenny, <laughs> so like, uh, so like, there's no British or French people in this film, but it's a British and French film. So yeah Yeah. supposedly uh, the two main characters were supposed to be english and then they realized it would be a lot easier just to have the two actors speaking their their native accent and i think they went yeah um i was actually i was i was looking at a thing at how it was made and um mark mcdonough who's one of my heroes he spent a weekend or like a couple of days in bruges when he was going from somewhere to somewhere else he ended up being stuck in bruges and he was like it's both halves of his brain. The first half of his brain is like the the cultural side. Oh, let's go see all the lovely monuments. And then the other half is just like, I want to get my hole. That's like how he <laughs> defines himself. So one half is Colin Farrell, the other half is Brendan Gleeson. And they work so perfectly as the father and son pair. Because anyone who's ever gone on holidays, maybe it's more of a guy thing, but like the dads are so interested in looking at history and you're like, I don't care. And they get so annoyed, which is perfectly cap- um, in the scene where they're in... Um, the um, Jesus Christ blood. They say if you go up there and you get uh, yeah, you, you, you kiss it and uh, it, it brings a good look. It's like it's like, do you want to go up and see it? Do I have to? Do you have to? Do I have to? <laughs> it's only Jesus Christ's fucking blood. Do I fucking have to? Like that for me is like sums up so many occasions with me that of like him being really enthused by something and me being like, oh okay, I don't yeah. get it. Cool, and then yeah. just just getting very annoyed, which I think is perfect in this film as well. Just brilliant. It's just Mark McDonough is a genius. Yeah. What would you rate it out of ten? What would I rate out of ten? Um I think it's like on, on the surface, it's absolutely like spot on. I just I just 
don't think Colin Farrell is the best actor in the world, and that shows throughout this film at points um, where I don't think it gets across perfectly. I think that Brendan Gleeson and uh, Ray Fiennes are far, are far exceed him, and especially in the scenes where it's just the two of them together, like you fully get their background story without anything extra put in. And um, there's a few little things that where it falls a bit flat. And I think it's more so because I looked into this film a lot, um, including the deleted scenes. I don't know if they count, and they're not funny at all. The majority. <laughs> I always look at the, I look at deleted scenes to try find like little hints yeah. where I haven't seen something before. But it's just kind of like extending the joke, and it's not funny. So, mm. um, and then I'll yeah, I think it's mainly just because Colin Farrell isn't, and it, I do think he's very good in this, but he he kind of lets it down a little bit. So for that, I think it drops. Just a little bit, but a eight and a half out of ten for me. Mm. I would probably go for a solid, a solid eight. Um, and I also think that I was slightly disappointed after finishing the film, but I think it's because, kind of what Joe was saying, everybody was like, "You have to see this film. It's so good. It's so good. Everything is so funny, and it's about two hitmen at go to Bruges." And I was expecting maybe <clears throat> comedic action, maybe yeah, more comedic action rather than comedic verbal jokes and stuff like that so I I think I went in expecting the wrong type of film and I do think I need to give it a second watch but yeah strong strong eight still because I could see so much potential in the film and mm -hmm. so much stuff was well executed as well Gary this is your first time seeing it did you like obviously people are building it up for you but was there anything that you knew was coming or anything that um in the film no I just knew that um it was supposed to <laughs> make Bruges look like the shittest place ever in one of their point of views. Um and they just I knew these two characters were stuck here and yeah. and didn't want to be I actually thought it was going to go down the road of maybe they were going to try and assassinate someone but then befriend them or something like that. But like, I just didn't know. I that's why I thought it was so clever about it though, is because Bruges is basically perjury. And uh, not perjury, sorry, uh purgatory. Yes. Where like he is he, like everyone's going to die. Everyone that we, the two guys we meet, uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell's character, when they come in, we know the two of them are going to die, especially afterwards. So they're just here waiting for the judgment, basically. Yeah. And um, and that's why, I, and I love how whenever they try, well, when Colin Farrell's character Ray tried to leave, he gets dragged back in, and I love how that fits back into the scene before when they're in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You heat the Canadian. Yeah. yeah. That's why I I love all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it definitely needs a second watch to really appreciate it. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm giving it a 9.2 out of 10 because... Ooh. Point I, two? Mm, I do like Martin McDonagh's work and I love his plays and things. And for me, it's just... I love the what you were saying, Gary. Like, I love the chat that they have and um, I just think it's so clever. Um, but yeah, we'll delve into it and dissect it, sorry, even further. Before we do that, um, here is a little synopsis for our listeners at home. Guilt-stricken after a job gone wrong, Hitman Ray and his partner await orders from their ruthless boss in Bruges, Belgium, the last place in the world Ray wants to be. What is it you've done, Raymond? Murder, father. Why did you murder someone, Raymond? For money. Who did you murder for money, Raymond? You, father. After I killed them, I walked home to await instructions. Get to Bruges. 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 Where's that? It's in Belgium. For two weeks? In Bruges? In a room like this? With you? No way. Been to the top of the tower? Guidebook says it's a must-see. Well, you ain't going up there. Why? It's all windy stairs. I'm not being funny. What exactly are you trying to say? They're a bunch of elephants. Mr. Blakey? Yes? You have a message? Number one, why aren't you in when I told you to be in? You better be in when I call again or there'll be now to pay up and telling you. He swears a lot, doesn't he? Okay, so let's get started. Gary, do you want to go first? Sure, why not? Why not? Three times <laughs> in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just going to go with just, I just love the complete contrast between our two main characters. Joe, you kind of spoke about it slightly there, Ken has this father figure, this parental quality of him. He's also sophisticated, quite intelligent, he loves history, and he buys his time and is patient with his jobs. And then you've got Ray, who is this, he's the complete opposite of Ken. 
he's like a wee boy who's completely bored, he's hot-headed, a bit of a loose cannon, and he doesn't think before he acts, and you can obviously see that in that scene at the restaurant where he decides just to punch the Canadian and then punch <laughs> the girlfriend as well. <laughs> yeah. And he also doesn't think before he speaks, and just different things like that. It's just wonderful to watch. But he's also kind, and you can see that when he gives like the pregnant woman the 200 euros, he's willing to share his drugs with anybody <laughs> that wants them. Mm. Um, but the most important part for me is he's actually genuinely uh, feeling guilty after killing this little boy. It shows through. And I think that's what makes it so hard for Ken to then try and kill him because he knows it was a mistake. And I think just, I think that's why it takes so long for that twist to happen that Ken is going to have to kill Ray because it then gives us time to get to know these characters and we really get to love watching Ray on screen. So when this call comes through that he's to kill him, you're taken back by it and you're like, no, even though he's done this horrible act. So I just love how the two characters bounce off each other until we get to that stage. Yeah, I, I love the relationship they have. Um, it is very like father and son, but also there's like some sibling stuff in it as well. But yeah, totally what you were saying, Joe, about going on holiday with like a family member that's like, this is fun, this is interesting. And you're like, it's not really. I don't want to go and see this. I'm quite happy to just sit by the pool. It's fine. I don't need to go and see all of this. Yeah, it's just so funny. And that bit where Ken is going to kill Ray at the park and he's like I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it and then he stops because he sees Ray's about to shoot himself and it's almost as if oh my god you poor thing, why are you shooting yourself that's just totally wrong and you're like you're questioning his morals like what? I love when that's brought back up again when he, when uh, what Harry comes and he's just like this gets fucking even better, he's like he was going to do the job for you and you stopped him, it's so <laughs> that, good <laughs> that yeah. actually reminded me I don't know if any, any of these have seen Horrible Bosses yeah and yes, um, Kevin Spacey's character's got the allergic reaction to peanuts and starts having an allergic reaction. Yeah. So they save him, <laughs> then realise who it is that they've saved is the person they're trying to kill. And it's like, you did Yeah, he what? doesn't know. Yeah, yeah it was very, very similar. <laughs> when like fate gives you like a chance, like an opportunity, you know, the universe is going, this is how it's going to happen. And you're like, oh no, that's wrong. <laughs> I yeah. need to save him. It's... Um, yeah, so, so funny. I just think it's so clever that the dynamic they have and you can see when Harry's like, you need to take care of it. But Ken's like, oh, do I have to? Like, he's got so much to learn. He's a good lad. I think as well, like the scenes where they're sitting on the park, uh, not the park bench, they're sitting in like the, the market square and they're just talking about their past. And mm-hmm. um, obviously Ray's talking about the guilt he feels about the boy and Ken starts going on about the lollipop man that he was to kill. Yeah, and then they got on to what if he knew kung fu or knew karate, and he's like, why would why would a lollipop man know karate and things like that? And that is the way conversations go. You know, one minute yeah. you're talking yeah. about one thing, and then you're now onto a completely outrageous subject, and wonder how you got there. And I think that's what makes their conversations so real because you can relate to them so much. It's like, yeah, totally. well, how the hell did we get here talking about a lollipop man at Nose Karate? What? Yeah, like, I was how? talking about my problems. Why are we talking about your problems? <laughs> it's very much... <laughs> like... I, that's what, I do love how the film deals with morality of like what is right and what is wrong because in a situation, as you brought up, Rebecca, when he stops him from killing himself because I guess it's easier for Ken to kill Ray. Yeah. than for Ken to watch Ray kill himself because yeah. he knows that's the wrong thing to do. But like Ken, I guess, feels he's putting him out of his misery. But then when he sees how miserable he actually is, yeah. that's when the I guess the, the fathering instinct kicks in. He's like, I need to help him, do you know? Yeah. And then you and then also they bring in Ken's past of um this is actually the best deleted scene that was that was caught when um Ken's wife was um well, she was a black prostitute who was killed by a police chief yeah and they, and they but they filmed that scene you can find it matt smith plays the young ken and uh brian, brian gleason plays the who's who's uh brendan gleason's son plays the young uh sorry uh harry harry plays the young harry plays the young no sorry matt smith plays the young harry that's what i meant and um and it's just a beautiful scene of harry killing a police officer that that killed uh ken's wife 
and it's all about you know doing what's right or even though it might be wrong as well it's just fascinating yeah yeah i also like that yeah. scene as well um where they're all taking the drugs and jimmy starts talking about how there's going to be this war between the whites and oh, yeah, the blacks yeah. but in that scene it's interesting because ken's sitting there just taking it in and doesn't really know how to respond and then ken actually says i had a black wife who was murdered by a white man uh, whose side did I fight on? And Jimmy says, uh, you need to weigh up your options. And yeah. it's interesting because it's great subtext, though, because Ken is sitting there having to work out whose side is he on, mm-hmm. Harry's or Ray's, and he has to weigh up his options of what's going to happen if he takes Ray out or not. Even though they're talking mm-hmm. about a completely different subject, I think in that moment he's also thinking, I do need to weigh up my options here of this this job I'm about to commit in the morning. But then he decides to sacrifice himself. Um, a la Jesus, I guess, another thing to that. And yeah. um, it's also a beautiful, beautiful comic irony when he dropped the reason he kills himself because you never know, he could have no, he got shot and he was going to die, but he jumps off the roof to land and then he tries to get this gun and his gun is broken. And then Ken just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ken just like, well, I think I'm going to die now. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, so, Joe, what's your um, next, what's your first positive point? And the positive point is the relationship between the characters. I think it's so um, it's so thought out, and it, it you it's I love stories that start in the middle, because obviously we're coming in late. We don't know anyone's background, anyone else, anyone else. We just know they know each other very well, and obviously we've seen what Ray did, but like how they all play off each other, every single character, and how they use perfectly mm-hmm. positively is is for me the the first positive point i can give the relationships and how they're woven in with the plot but also the the charisma of each one of the performers how they play off each other is for me um what my first highlight anyway and they're actually going to be mark mcdonick's next film is with colin farrell and with brendan gleason it's filming in ireland i think it was supposed to film this year i think so um so like i want to see it again i fuck i love mark mcdonick that'll mark be McDonough's. awesome yeah um, well, that segues nicely into my first positive point, which is like the contrast between the rough and like dark facade that they all kind of give off. Like they're all <laughs> murderers, like they're hitmen, they're killing people, and you've got Harry like trashing his phone up when he hears that he's letting go. When um, sorry, Ken has let Ray go, and then he goes through to his kids and is like okay, I'm going to go for, away for a wee while. And I just thought it was just like so funny to see how um, you can be a bit of both. Like you're doing bad things, but you're also like can be a good person or have yeah. some good traits about you. And it's just absolutely hilarious. How, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah, it was like I was saying on, on morality. It's that thing of like, um, Harry is a literal like crime boss murderer. Mm-hmm. But like he's he's got a strict code that he sticks to, yeah. which is you can't you can't ha- hurt kids. You can't, and that's the same with um, Lieutenant Vinishmore, which is Martin McDonough's second play, where um, the lead character has a guy tied up and is ripping off his nipples because he's mm-hmm. selling weed to to uh, secondary school kids. Mm-hmm. So like it's that same thing Martin McDonough has gone through is that they've all got this morality, but they're on a, a next level to us where they can yeah. do bad things, but they justify it because they stick to this code. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I love that scene as well where <laughs> he gets off the phone and he starts bashing the phone off the counter, and his mm. wife comes in and he's like it's an inanimate object and he's like you're a fucking inanimate object yeah (laughs) and then he apologizes later on like after he said to the kids right dad needs to go away for a while be good for mum and the nanny and then he's like saying to her i'm really sorry what i called you that was terrible of me and you're like you're literally getting on a plane to go and kill someone like it's just so good it's funny when you're when you're frustrated and someone says something to you and you just repeat whatever they've said to you back but it's like a name call yeah (laughs) could be anything (laughs) As well as that, that's that's such a perfect introduction to Harry as well. Like that's the first time we actually saw it, that it was it was Ray Fiennes. With they had the whole phone call and it was all on Brennan. With the whole thing was like, oh, I don't think he's. <laughs> I I love that as well. It's when he's like, oh, I don't. I really like it, but I don't think it's 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 Ray's scene. And there's like a pause, and he's like, what? Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. it's a fucking paradise. It's a fu- yeah. <laughs> yeah, all this sort of thing. But then, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, but then when eventually he tells him that like no, he's um, I, I let him away. I don't know where he's gone. His train is gone. Um, if you want to come, I'm gonna be here whatever time. And then the first time we see him, it cuts back to him, and that's when he's smashing the phone. 
uh, off the table. Like, perfect introduction for that character. I didn't picture him as Harry. I didn't picture Ralph Fiennes as Harry at all. I knew it was because of, um, like, the, the posters and stuff like that. But when I heard the first conversation on the phone with Ken in the, the hotel, and yeah. they're talking about Bruges, and they're talking about Ray's um, perception of it, I actually pictured someone like, have you seen Snatch? Yeah. See the the gangster guy in Snatch? Is it Snatch? Oh, Bricked Up. Yes, Bricktop. yes. Yeah. That's like the type of person I pictured that was going to be mm -hmm. on the other side of this um, this phone. And then when it cuts to Ralph Fiennes, who's got this immaculate home, this perfect family, and it's just what he does for a living is the... Yeah, some country home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's such comic irony throughout the whole thing, because especially the one thing we know about Harry over everything else is that you don't kill kids. That's like put in from the very beginning, the first syllable of the, the film till the end. And then when when the, the, the little person is accidentally killed by Harry while shooting Ray, he immediately like shoots himself in the head. Even though even though Ray again he should want Harry dead for shooting him. Yeah. He tries to he tries to in his warn last dying breath he tries to yeah. say, No, don't he, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it, yeah. That goes on quite nicely to my second point, which is just some of the storytelling techniques that's used in this. So I think this film relies more on character than it does plot. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it definitely relies on the characters. And it slowly bides its time and gives you this simple journey to enjoy with these characters. And it doesn't follow the typical Hollywood formula Usually you would get the exciting incident 10-15 minutes into your film. But in this, I would say the first exciting incident, the first plot point, is maybe around the 45-minute mark when Ken actually gets the phone call of why they're in Bruges and he has to kill Ray. And it's maybe only 10-15 minutes later, but I would say we hit the midpoint of the film, which is Ken deciding not to kill Ray and putting him on a train and going and facing Harry alone and suffering those consequences whatever they may be gary can i ask you why do you think ray decides not to kill or ken decides not to kill ray are you going to ask me like after he was ready to do it and then doesn't or <laughs> yeah, yeah no but like but like he was obviously didn't want to do it for the whole thing okay but like what do you think made him change his mind i would say it's because he can already see a broken man standing in front of him like yeah. he's He's ready to kill himself, therefore he knows that he doesn't deserve to live, which kind of then means that he does deserve to live because he yes. knows what he's caused and the pain yeah. that he's in. Living is almost enough of an emotional Worse, pain yeah. and yeah. he has to get through that and redeem himself. Mm -hmm. And also, as we've already said, it's kind of like this father and son relationship or this two brothers relationship. And you find out that it was... Ken that brought Ray on to the scene as a hitman, so he also already feels responsible for him. And so, if you feel responsible for somebody who's like fucked up, then you're going to feel responsible about taking that action. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, so I just think it's interesting where the plot points lie in this film. Also, there's uh, instead of getting Chekhov's gun, we've got Chekhov's bell tower, which I thought was really funny. So for those that might be listening, like Chekhov's gun is basically in a film where you see a gun in the table and then maybe later on in the film that gun is used. So that's why it's been shown to you before it. So you've got the bell tower that they visit in here and you just knew it was going to come back around again, but you didn't really know in what way. So you had even the cashier that won't let Ken in because he's 5p <laughs> short. And then later on, when Harry shows up, he won't let Harry in, even though he's trying to overpay. So it's little things like oh, that. I love that, yeah. Being difficult for the sake of it. <laughs> also, Gary, my one of my favourite jokes in the whole thing is, you know, like, um, the bell tower. It's like, oh, we, we... No, it's like, there's no... No, you won't be able to go up there. It's like, why not? Well, no offence, you're a bunch of fucking elephants. And then, <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he chased <laughs> after him. But then we find out the next day, it's like... It, the. The stairs yeah. are closed because someone had a heart, an, an American had a heart attack on him. Yeah, and I just like, again, that. yeah, it's so, it's so good. Um, but there's also talk through the film as well as the bell tower being used as the dramatic scene at the end. There's talk yeah. about fog lingering in the air in Bruges, and it gives it this fairy tale theme, uh, mm. this fairy tale feeling. 
And then at the end, it's the fog that breaks Ken's line of sight and he can't shoot. Um, mm -hmm. He can't shoot Harry's. He's gone down the stairs. And also... Oh, my God. I didn't realise that. Yeah, so there's the part of the start where he's, like, pointing down. I think he's just, like, practising. Yeah, and then... That's right! Oh, yeah. my God. Because I've got, I've got another one as well, which I didn't get until re-watching again the other day. When... Um, do you know when they go to the museum and they look at the painting... And mm -hmm. it's uh, at the end of the days. It's it's judgment. It's when uh, we find out where you're going to to heaven or the other place, as as race yeah. says it. But then, the film that they're making is effectively that 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 yeah. painting. Yeah. So yeah. when he's just when he's getting shot, when he's been taken away, he's finding out whether he's going to the hell or the good place, and then we see the final fade to light um, before he dies. Well, it's funny because when. Ken is on the phone to Harry and he's saying to him that oh, they're starting to feel like Bruce has got this fairy tale type feeling to it and then that film set at the end feels like a fairy tale, they're walking about with these colourful masks and there's yeah. the fog and stuff like that as well. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, if you look at the painting though that they're talking about and mm -hmm. then you look at them in, in that final scene that's the exact, it's the exact replica it's, right. it's a double about them, which yeah. is incredible. Well, I think there's also a meta reading at the end because we are watching a film where Ray, who's a hitman, accidentally kills a child and Harry, a contract gangster basically, wants Ray killed for it, right? But then there's this wacky ending where there is this shootout on a film set, Harry shoots Ray and accidentally shoots Jimmy, the little man, who's dressed as a boy, so then he shoots himself as Ray lies at peace with what he has done and what he's been and what he's caused, mm -hmm. and Jimmy is dressed as a schoolboy lying next to him, so it's almost like the two of them are at peace with what Ray did. And I think the reason for this is like Ray has killed a child, he's insulted Bruges as a town, he's insulted nearly everyone he has bumped into in the film, and we as the audience don't want him to die. And I think the film's trying to say at the end there, but you know what? It's okay because we're just watching a movie. It's not real. It's not real. And we're going to show you it's not real by having a movie within a movie. And it's just going to be this true. wacky ending. Like, but it's all right. Like, so there is jokes about like homosexuality and uh, there's jokes about dwarfs and basically Ray is insulting everyone. And then by the end of it, I think it is actually going... Look, it's just a movie. Like we know, there's people like this out there, and even if you laugh at this, it doesn't mean you need to treat people with disrespect or anything. It's just this, like, big build up to this shootout, but it's in a film set. Yeah, it's weird. It's mm -hmm. a weird, interesting ending. It's kind of when when you say that, it reminds me of Blazing Saddles. Um, I don't know because at the very end of Blazing Saddles, they ride out on on the on the horses. For like a few seconds, and then they get off and get into limos and drive away. Yeah, so yeah, literally, yeah. Just saying, it's it's a film. It's a film. Don't worry about it. It's a film. Yeah. That that's very true. That's very true. Well, my second point is is kind of what you mentioned, Gary, about just the kind of fairy tale feel, like the proper trash talking it and seeing how <laughs> terrible it looks. Well, Ray is, um, but yeah, with even like the music as well in the film. It's not music that you would expect in a film like this. It's very kind of unusual and just not something that you would picture in a gangster film. And I feel like it kind of adds mm. to the whole fairy tale feel, like the fog and then obviously the film sets, the fantasy dream sequence that's involved with the films and the masks and stuff. So, yeah, I quite like that, that everything around them was still having this fairy tale feel. <laughs> But obviously, the what's actually happening is not a fairy tale. I mean, I didn't really notice the music too much in it. I mean, sometimes that can be like a blessing and a job well done when the music doesn't stand out too much. It carries the film. Mm -hmm. um, I do think it is quite surreal. The film, like you're saying, what I do like as well is how shit it looks to be like a hitman. Like they don't glamorize it up or anything like yeah. that. Their clothes look like everyday clothes, and yeah. the, two, the two of them look bored, waiting for their call in the hotel room. It doesn't make it look exciting in any way. Yeah, yeah, it, that's always actually when you're saying that it makes everything look so ordinary. 
Do you know, yeah. they really play into the mundane over anything else. It's yeah. like there is nothing exhilarating about doing this job. You know, it's literally waiting around and doing something awful that you're going to drink yourself to death to very yeah. soon. You so know? they're just normal people, like normal tourists that are like, we're here for work. And you're like, oh, what work do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're like, oh, uh, can't really tell you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> HR. Um, yeah, but... They are very normal in the sense that, you know, like, so they want to go and, well, Ken wants to go and see all the tourist attractions and Ray's like, oh, I just want to go to the pub and have a few drinks and stuff and just want to lay low. Like, even the fact that they're sharing a bedroom as well, like, coming back to that whole, like, father and son when um, Ray comes back from his date and he's, like, switching all the lights on. It just makes me, it reminds me of, like, when I actually share a room, like, with one of my sisters or that, where you're, like, can you <laughs> switch the light out? Like, come on. <laughs> and they go, yeah, yeah, but let me tell you about my night. And you're like, oh my gosh. Absolutely. It, it, that's the great thing about the writing as well, because it's the same in the likes of Free Billboards. It's better to watch films um, where it's like ordinary characters in mm -hmm. an extraordinary situation. So you can relate to them if you were put in that position and how they would react is maybe how you would. Mm -hmm. And it does make you question, question life and question certain situations. And he doesn't hold back on these um, his characters. So we're talking about how like some of them seem like they are maybe a bit homophobic, but then look at Three Billboards as well, where you've got racist characters, but they have they have positive points as well as these bad issues. You know, and it's about these redeeming qualities and things like that as well. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two films there. I was going to say um, one of my favourite lines in it. Is it kind of shows where Ray places himself in the world? Is um, after everything happens with with um, the lady he's seeing and her friend comes in and shoots him in the eye and all of that sort of stuff. And he's like, "I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it was too good to be true. It's what I knew you and someone like you would never like me." And it's like someone like what? It's like you know someone that's nice. And you're like. She's literally like just told you she's a drug dealer. She's someone who frequently pays. She was going to steal. Yeah, she was gonna, like like there was a mix up, so she wasn't going to do it to him. But she is someone who steals from other people that mm -hmm. fakes that they're with them and then and then robs them, and then yeah. he sees himself so low, like as such an awful human being that he sees her as a nice person still. That's why yeah. this this script is perfection. Like it is genuinely everything is paid off. Mm -hmm. Do you know, there's even stuff that you were bringing up Gar there, Gary, earlier on that I was like, I didn't pick up on that. Do you know, I didn't even realize that. When you watch the film over and over with with the fog, every every single thing they do matters for later on in the film. Yeah, and I, it just yeah, that's yeah. why it's it's miraculous, and everyone should watch it. Um, what would you say is your second point? <laughs> we're it's like a free for all at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, but yeah. My second point is the is the script. It is yeah. um, the script is. Like I was just saying, everything that is laid out earlier on in the film in the first act is paid off in, in the third act. It's so, you're sitting there and every answer, every question is answered for you, bar the very last one, which McDonough doesn't do. And he words it so well uh, when Ray's been taken away and we see everyone that was in the film leading up to that point looking at him and he says, I really hoped I wouldn't die. I really hope they wouldn't die, which is both future and past tense at the same yeah. time. So there's no resolution. So we, yeah. we every everything in the everything in the film is laid out for you perfectly, except for the only one you realise you want the answer to, mm -hmm. that you're never going to get the answer to. And the mm -hmm. fact is, he's probably better off dead anyway. But unfortunately, because he's narrating, it could mean he's alive. But who knows? But it's just <laughs> for that. But that's for me why I think yeah. I think it is Bruges. I think he's dead already. I think all these characters are dead that are basing in it and it's 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 pur purgatory. No, is it purgatory? Is that the word yeah, yeah. we're going for? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, everything is set there because you can't leave and you're there until the end and that's why it's just yeah. perfect. Yeah, I, I never looked at the film with that but it is a really good reading of it. Like, I, I guess I did think a wee bit about it when I was saying about how I felt it was quite meta when it ends in a film set. Yeah. But yeah, it's an interesting reading as well. I'm I'm going to have to watch it again to to look yeah. more into that as well. But you are Please you are do. right about the the script because I feel like if Hollywood tried to do this, it wouldn't be the same. Because what's great about it is it lets the characters breathe. Yeah, it almost gives them the same amount of time that a TV show would. Because a TV show has got eight hours to twelve hours to you know twenty four, but this gives them 
enough time to breathe to get to know the characters so it's when they're put into these tricky situations you feel for them both of them both Kay and Andre um, and to to an extent Harry as well because Harry's going to shoot his well I consider one of his friends at the end there and really doesn't want to do it and when when Ken actually does go no do what you need to do I understand it's okay because he's not being aggressive he can't do it and it's only when yeah, he finds it's... out that he's, he thinks that um, Ken has lied to him he's willing to shoot him again <laughs> Yeah, I, because I love that in um, in in that scene. It's like he he can't do it because he's being nice to him. He's being lovely. It because it feels like sibling rivalry. It seems like yeah. oh yeah, well I'm gonna kill you. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but it's fine because that's the way it's going. And then he's almost upset because he's being nice. He's like, well, I can't yeah. kill you now. Do you know you're being act, you're being a genuine human. Yeah, but, but I'll he, shoot you in the leg and I'll help yeah. you down the stairs though. So. <laughs> But who are who are we? If you we've all seen it now, so we look at the end of it. But who are we supposed to be up for in this film? Who are we supposed to be rooting for? Who are we supposed to be rooting for? Really? I would say Ray. Yeah. Do you probably. think? But no. But do you think Ray because he's killed a child, and it's only because you feel bad. But then, like, is killing a child and feeling bad about it better than someone who's killed loads of people but will kill someone who's killed a child? Like is is that who's yeah, the more even. morally righteous person? And then you have Ken in the middle who hasn't killed a child, but has killed lots of other people, as you yeah. explained, the lollipop man. So like they're all they're yeah. all bad people. They're all equal just, to infield. I'd yeah, say. it's but just one of them feels the worst about it. I think though that it's this is going on to my next point anyway. But I feel like you're definitely rooting for Ray, and the reason that is because the script and the film is actually making you kind of doubt yourself. Like, what kind of person are you that you're rooting for this character who has killed a yeah. child? And I mm-hmm. think that's deliberately what it's doing. And that's why they try and make yeah. the character funny. They make the character sympathetic so that you get sucked in. Mm-hmm. So that when he is about to get shot or he is running away from Harry, you're like, please get away, please get away. Please yeah, get when away. he's on the train, you're like, don't don't look at the guard. Don't yeah. look at the guard. Why are you looking at him? Why, no. why are you going back to Bruges? Why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. And then you start to... It's the yeah. same. It's the same with like Breaking Bad. Like they they use Walter White, who's like this kingpin, and you root for him, and you have to go. Why am I doing this? I guess my my third point is it's like these two men trying to find the purpose in their life and what's what's the meaning of life? Why why are we here or why are they here? So they look at their past and the effect that has on them. So we spoke about it with like Ray killing the boy and Ken with the lollipop man, but. Ray also confesses to Chloe about killing the boy and the priest over dinner. And I think he does that just to get off his chest. Even though there's a good chance yeah. she might That's go right. to the police. She might go to the police or she might not take him seriously. But he's like, no, I, I did. I killed, I, I killed a priest. I killed a child. And then she thinks it's a joke. But also, I would say Ken is also starting to doubt if he's cut out for this life. And at the same yeah. time, the film questions the meaning of friendship and that's what we were talking about earlier how much do you owe a man that you've known your whole life but is getting you to kill people and what will you give up and do for a man that's committed this terrible tragedy if you kill a kid do you still deserve to live even if it was an accident you know there's all these questions and like a boy is killed and to save that man who killed the boy ken has to die you know, it's all this murky, like, waters, and I think it's deliberately, like, you, you sit there going, who does deserve to die here, or, or who do you want? It's like, even Harry, he's so funny that you're like, I could watch more of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You want more of him, yeah, definitely. But but is he, like, is Harry a psychopath? Is he what? Like, because he sticks to a strict moral code, and that is justify all the bad things he do. He does, but is, is he a bad... Is he the worst person? Because I guess he is the antagonist in this story. But is he really better than the people that we are supporting? Yeah. I, 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 like, I would say that um, that Ken is probably the, our moral compass. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. because Ray is, Ray is someone who's done something so bad. And we are sitting here feeling bad for him, but we're not in his shoes. But I feel like we're in Ken's shoes, where yeah. we're judging, is he worth being taken care of? Yeah. You know? I guess as well with Harry, you would need to know why and who the other person or people that they've got them to kill. So you know there's a priest. I mean, you can 
you can put your mind to why they're killing a priest, right? But it's never... It's also, never... Uh, fun fact, uh, Martin McDonough kills or makes fun of a priest in every film uh, <laughs> he's made so far. Uh, in Bruges, a priest dies. In Seven Psychopaths, a priest dies. In uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, he um, what's Francis McDormand's character tears a priest down in um, when she comes and at, the priest comes to the house and asks him to ask her to be uh, um, to put the signs down take take them away. He's like, oh, she's like, oh, um, do you know the way like gangs are are tried for um, for one person committing an act? Shouldn't you all be tried tried for pedophilia yeah, then? Right. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's he right. hates he hates priests, and that's why I love Martin McDonough. Um, yeah. So like, you would need to know who Harry has got killed and what they've done to then work out if he is a decent man or not because if he's taken any old contract you know like if a wife like went oh my husband cheated on me I think you should get him killed if he's just doing it for the money I think you would need to know more about that to then work out if he mm -hmm. is a good guy or not mm -hmm. and is, is it worth it just because he kills one person who's killed a child yeah no as well it all yeah. fits in that's why it's so good. My kind of final point would be um, the character Marie, who owns the hotel. I just think she's just so brilliant. Um, I know it's like not she's not like the main character, or whatever, but just how she is, and you know, when um, Ray tries to give her the money, she says to Ken, "I don't need it. Like seriously, just take it off me. I don't want it." But tell him thanks anyway, and. Um, when she's standing in between Harry and Ray in that fight and she's like, well, you're going to, need to come through me. And <laughs> after they're having this argument of like, right, okay, what I'll do, um, Harry is, I'll jump out and you can catch me on the way down. Is that okay with you? And he's like, yeah, that's cool, that's fine. And she's just like, you, you know, you guys are quite strange. You guys she are crazy. She doesn't yeah. think about calling the police. She doesn't think about screaming or, you know, freaking out or anything like that as most of those kind of characters would be portrayed as she just sits and goes do you know you're strange people and she doesn't move an inch <laughs> i just think she's just so great she stands for one thing and that's her hotel and she's yeah. like no I'm, I'm not leaving for this place to get shot up absolutely not i don't want a body like, yeah. in one of the rooms and i also think using her character to tell uh, more about harry and ray works really well and their their code of conduct so to mm -hmm. speak because they won't have a shootout with her standing there because she is yeah like she's not in the game for a better word like, yeah she's, she's a civilian and they won't fire in front of a civilian and also she's severely pregnant <laughs> yeah that's true so, okay i love that adjective severely pregnant okay uh, <laughs> she is she's how many pregnant? Pregnancy. like eight months or something yeah. pregnant or something well you get that really nice shot don't you where um ray is trying to shoot harry no, Ray's trying to shoot oh, Harry yeah, through yeah, the banister, yeah, yeah. but yeah. the pregnancy bump is also in the way, and he's already killed a child, and obviously doesn't want to make the same mistake twice. Yes, so, yeah. he's made that there. decision. That's very. That's what I mean. And my final point is, I know I brought it up earlier on. I, I shot too soon. It is morality. It is of this film is that who's right, who's wrong, and no one gets answered. And that that's what is my favorite thing about this. There was no answer answers that question. There was no an questions that are answered, but there are so many questions that are brought up that are yeah, that mess with your head for a long time. Yeah, because I, I prefer films where it brings up a question but it doesn't feel the need to answer it. Like, you mm -hmm. leave the cinema or put off the film wondering, like, what is the answer to X, Y, or Z, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the other things I really liked was when Ken's on the phone to Harry and he's like, has he left the room? And he's like... <laughs> reenacting <laughs> Ray leaving the room Listen. like doing footsteps closing the door and then Harry's like so is he away and it's like I did all that for nothing yeah. <laughs> it's so funny I'm just wondering if that says any more about like Harry as a character as well and you know he's quite paranoid isn't he and... paranoid but as well he trusts you can see that he trusts Ken because like he asks like silly questions like well what's he in the toilet what's he doing in the toilet like how long do you think he's going to be basically wh wh how was he when you said he's quizzing but he's also like if he also believes that ken wouldn't like lie to him or anything like that yeah like i i have a question okay if um ken stuck to the fact that ray didn't like bruges if he said no, he actually didn't lend, that's just it. Do you think he still would have killed him or he would have brought him somewhere else or it would have been a different outcome? <laughs> well, 
Yeah, it really hates Florida. We should take him there instead. <laughs> but because you know what I mean? he because he brought him to Bruges because in um in Harry's head it was like Bruges is the most magical place on earth. So mm -hmm. that's the best place because he he is a good kid. That's what uh, Harry says. Who made a mistake? So that's why let's bring him to the best place imaginable. In in obviously in Harry's head, the best place in the world is Bruges. Mm -hmm. But but if Ken stuck at being like no, he didn't like Bruges at all. Would Harry have been like? No, let's bring him somewhere else. Or would he have been like, kill him. Kill him I now anyway. He, I think yeah. he would have been like, can you shoot him right in the face? Or like, <laughs> yeah, that. I, because he, he doesn't yeah. like Bruges. He doesn't like what I that, like. <laughs> but that, that's a very good shout though, because he probably would have, his ego would have been severely bruised that he would have yeah. wanted him dead like immediately. Torture him. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, would have been, it probably would have been. Perfect. Uh, well, does anyone have any other notes? or? I would say... I liked how there was some shocking, unexpected moments. So, I know we've spoken about this already, but when Ray accidentally kills the young boy in the church, it was so unexpected. It was actually unexpected when he killed the priest as well, because they were just sitting having a conversation. It was quite a funny conversation, and the way the priest died was quite comical, the way he was like stumbling about and he was still shooting him. So, you were laughing, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh shit. He's actually killed a young boy here. And then it's the same when <clears throat> Ken gets the phone call from Harry and, as we've just spoke about, you're really laughing at how he's making him go to the door and check that Ray's not there. Yeah. He's asking him about Bruges. He's raging that he doesn't like Bruges. And ha uh, Ken has to then come up with this scheme where, actually, no, he likes it now and things like that. Then it's all of a sudden, right, tomorrow, kill him. And me as an audience member was like, I did not see that coming at all you know so it's really good that like one minute you're laughing and finding it really light-hearted to the next thing you're like it's like shocking awe almost isn't that an interesting point though of like morality as well like the fact that you're like i'm laughing at the fact that like no judgment on you because we're all agreeing but you're going look at look at how he's killed that priest like look how he's stumbling out and he's dying and he's shot him up like 10 times but Okay, it's not funny anymore because a child's been killed. Yeah, isn't that just kind of interesting? How I I can really agree with you. My my only real nitpick would be like I don't know how well the film will age in years to come with like the amount of like gay jokes and stuff where like um calling him like Jimmy the Dwarf and things like that. I know it's done to show that these are unlikable characters, but it's also done for comedic effect. So I'm I'm interested yeah. to see. I'm more interested yeah. to see what like an audience in 10 years thinks of the film sorry no i was gonna say i think they'll even find it funnier because i think it's it's done tongue-in-cheek i think he knows and they're and the lines are delivered with such sincerity that you can only find it funny so yeah. i think that will always continue i think it's i think it's different when someone is calling it out in like i don't know i don't want to say matter of fact sort of way but like when it's done with sincerity even though it's a bad thing and yeah, I think it's it's done yeah. for comedic effect, which will continue always on. I think, yeah. mm -hmm. like even like the the scene where he turns around and he's like, "One gay beer for you, and one normal beer for me." And it's an int it's interesting because he's obviously so close to Ken's character that he feels like mm -hmm. I, I, it's all right to like crack those jokes and that. I don't know. It's just but for me. Um, I, I suppose I. Like it's not an issue that I don't know how it ends, but you know, it kind of it's like you said, it's like one of those, oh like what what did happen and you hope <laughs> you're hoping it's a good outcome, but also you're like, Well, it's not a very good person. It leaves you just... wanting more, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's... You really want to watch more. And All I good want... films do that. Yeah, like we were saying, like we're supposed to be up for Ray, but like I think when you look at it a few times you're you change to a different person. Yeah. I think we're supposed to be Ken. I think uh Harry is death. And um, and raise the victim, and then Ken is just the onlooker. That's why I think. I think. Well, I suppose mm -hmm. death passes from one character to the other. A pass from Ken to Harry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. I think a good reading of it is that we are worried. You're usually worried for your main character because it's them. It's going through, like you know, the obstacles, and Ray's most definitely going through the most obstacles. But Ken is is quite safe for most of the film until Harry appears. So yeah. that's where I think the tables do turn. Maybe they are, for the first half of the film, Ray is supposed to be like your main character, and then the second half, it's Ken. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's moments where Ken is like, you know, sitting in the hotel in the morning and Bree's like, Are you okay? And he's like, yep. And he's like looking about Bruges as if yeah, I, I could retire here. Yeah. I could, I could see myself yeah. here. Which is actually what he does, quite frankly, settles yeah. down into the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> How grim. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone's ratings changed at all? I think I would go up to an 8.5 maybe. I think yeah, there's stuff in there I didn't yes. I didn't see in that as well. I didn't mm-hmm. I definitely didn't see the purgatory side of it and I think that's quite an interesting concept. Yeah. I, I'm 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 good with eight point five. I'll stick there. I'm still yeah. sticking with my nine point two. We'll take a little break and be back with the quiz, our fun fact of the day and our short film recommendations. Why don't you both put your guns down? Go home. Don't be stupid. This is the shootout. Harry? I've got an idea. What? My room faces onto the canal, right? I'm going to go back to my room, jump into the canal, and see if I can swim to the other side and escape. All right. If you go outside and round the corner, you can shoot at me from there and try and get me. That way we leave this lady and her baby out of the whole entire thing. You completely promised to jump in the canal. I don't want to run out there, come back in ten minutes, and find you fucking hiding in a cupboard. I completely promise, Harry. I'm not going to risk having another little kid die, am I? So, hang on, I go outside, then I go which way, right or left? You go right, don't you? You can see it from the doorway. It's a big fucking canal. All right, Jesus, I've only just got here, haven't I? Okay, on the count of one, two, three, go, okay? Okay. What? Who says it? Oh, you say it. You guys are crazy. Hey, ready? Ready. Set? Set. One, two, three, go! And we are back for our quickfire quiz round. Myself and Gary will ask Joe five questions each based on the film. And remember, it's just for fun, Joe. No, I'm, no I'm, pressure. I'm, no, I'm all the pressure. I'm feeling every inch <laughs> of this right now. Um, okay, uh, Gary, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So, first question When was the film released? 2008. Yes. Hmm. Um, what time of year does the film take place? Like month or or is it month or is it like season? Winter. Yeah, Christmas. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I was going for. I was going for that. I count. What character doesn't have a change of clothes? Ken or Ray? Ken. Yes. What country are the couple from that fight with Canada, me? Canada. All right. There's no time constraint, for goodness sake. <laughs> you hate the Canadian. I, I, I hate the Canadian. You hate the Canadian. Yeah. Um, what actor in the film won a Golden Globe? Colin Farrell. Yes. What does Ken say Ray is a way to look for when on the phone to Harry? Oh, uh, bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Bathrooms. No. (laughs) He's a way to look for a bowling alley. Fucking bowling alley. I should have known that one. Bollocks. Bollocks. Okay. Who has the line, maybe that's what hell is, the entire rest of eternity spent in fucking Bruges? Oh, that's Ray. That's Conor Farrell, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's when they're looking at the painting. How much does it cost to go up the tower? Oh, five pounds. It's, it's five euros. Oh, yeah, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, come on. Okay, don't call me out on that one. Give me a second. Um, okay. Euro. What was the marketing tagline for the film and on the poster? Oh, come on. Um... <laughs> When in Bruges? <laughs> Do as the Bruges? I don't know. It was shoot first, sightsee later. Ah. What nationality is Jimmy? Dutch. He's American. Oh, oh, the little person. Yeah, he's American. Yeah. Well, I know, I know that now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you started off so well. <laughs> so strong. I think I only got three wrong in fairness yeah. out of ten. Okay, that's. Am I on the leaderboard? Have you got a leaderboard? Uh, we've only got two people that's got ten out of ten. 
so far. Well, I I hate those people. <laughs> neither of them are me. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so now we're going to share our fun fact of the day. Gary, what is your fact? So my fact is that mirrors reflect sound as well as light. So mirrors that reflect sound waves are also known as acoustic mirrors. And before they developed radar, mirrors were used in the Second World War to detect sounds coming from the enemy aircrafts. So... Oh, I had a lot of fun with that fact, to be fair. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Joe, what's your fun fact? <laughs> the giant squid was thought to be extinct um, for the entirety of mankind, but then it was discovered in person, I think, in 2005, and then a photograph, the first photograph was, was taken of it in 2008. Before that, it was just thought to be myth and mystery. Um, even though it showed up in, in every cartoon I ever watched growing up. and then, um, But it actually, it is real. And they have a photograph I'm, and they have a body as well. I'm pretty sure there is some squid monster movies as well, like the giant squid versus like, yeah. alligator and stuff. Yeah, or something like that. I'd watch Genuine, that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> right. The wood frog can hold its pee for up to eight months. Why would it do that? Good. What? Why maybe, would it do that? Why would maybe, it do that? It just says that it, it's able to hold. <laughs> 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 On a night out, it's like, I'm not waiting in that queue. Um, yeah, it just says it's, they are able to hold their urine for up to eight months, sticking it out through the region's long winters. But maybe they were recording a podcast and it was just taking far too long. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, this one. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just thought it was interesting. It would make a better night out if you didn't need to go and pee so often. That is true. You, how much more could you but, drink? Exactly. But imagine. But also imagine after eight months how much you would piss. Like that would. <laughs> You've been there for like, hours. Yeah. You be you be there for fucking days. Taking just a paper going. with you. Yeah, just going and going. You know, you'd write a novel while doing it. <laughs> uh, lovely. <laughs> Well, after that, um, we're now going to round off the show with some short film recommendations. Um, Gary, what is your recommendation? My short film is a sci-fi called C600 about an android, and I feel like it is heavily influenced by Ex Machina. There's even a wee dance routine in the film is the same as that. So, yeah, go check it out. Joe, what's your short film recommendation? I don't know any short films, so just watch my short films that are on my YouTube channel. Just check out Millennials by Joe O'Neill. It's very good and very funny, and a very handsome man wrote it. That handsome <laughs> man is me. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Perfect. I feel like we should actually change up the short film thing, and it should be just recommend something creative, whether it be a band, a painting, a short film, or something. So I'm going to, I'm going to change that up. We, we are going to change yeah, that up. Yeah, I was up. just going to say. I we are in. going to change that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my short film recommendation is a film called Leroy um, which takes place in a council estate in North East London and um, there's also a bit of sibling rivalry in there as well which I thought worked quite well with in Bruges um, yeah it talk, it's about the sudden death of his grandfather and how he deals with it and comes out of his shell uh, with a music cassette that's left for him so yeah it's a really nice lust for life kind of film um well joe thank you very much for joining us no and... problem thank you for allowing me to be joined <laughs> <laughs> and bringing with you in bruges can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and keep up to date with all your projects and other works yeah, um, on Twitter, go to Acting Joe or at Joe Talks Pod for my podcast. On Instagram, it's Show Your Own Way or at Joe Talks Pod for my for my podcast. Uh, if you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, search Joe O'Neill on YouTube. Subscribe and check out all the short films I make. And also, my theatre company is Little Shadow Theatre Company. You can check them out on Facebook, Little Shadow Theatre Company. On Twitter, at Theatre Shadow. At Instagram, at Little Shadow Theatre Company. And on anything else, just type Little Shadow Theatre Company. That's, that's me. That's me. That's me. And, and Paul. Um, Joe, do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast and what it yeah. is you do? Oh yeah, no, we watch. It's very easy. I, I watch films with other people, and then they come on and talk about them, and I go, oh, that that's nice. Um, <laughs> 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 I bet that 
Yeah. No, no. Um, I asked people to watch uh, three Best Picture winners from, or three or four Best Picture winners from consecutive years, and um, then rank them from uh, their least favorite to the most favorite, while also discussing their background in loving cinema as well. So I've Gary on very soon. I don't know when this is coming out, but I've, I'm recording an episode with Gary very soon. Gary, what are your films again? Um, My Fair Lady, um, Lawrence of Arabia, and Tom Jones. That's right. Uh, and Rebecca, Rebecca, I remember I gave you Hamlet because yes. I was like, you're the only person that was coming up and I was like, she might actually enjoy this one because, <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to watching three and a half hours of, of Hamlet. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. Yes, yes. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm Rebecca Riddle. You can follow me at Instagram at Riddle Rebecca and Twitter at RiddleR. And I'm still Gary, and you can follow me at HewittGPro on Instagram and on Twitter. And if you're loving what you're hearing, subscribe and share what we're doing. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please remember to rate and review. You can also leave your comments and let us know your thoughts on the films at choosefilmpodcast at hotmail.com. You can also follow the podcast at filmchoose on Twitter and Choose Film Podcast on Instagram. You've been listening to Choose Film Podcast and join us next week for another cinematic classic. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Goodbye.